Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. I just feel the Holy Spirit. God is better than you think. He's more gracious than you think. I just feel like maybe, maybe somebody here has been wallowing. Wallowing is a good word for it. Wallowing in comparison. Wallowing in I'm not doing enough. Wallowing in guilt that has racked you for years and years. Wallowing in, listen, the Lord like I love the way Pastor John said it. It's okay to live on the edge of faith. <laughs> if you fall off, it's good. <laughs> oh, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for our unbelief at times and our willingness to give ear to, to the nonsense of the enemy. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. You are so good. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that we are the righteousness of God. The saints, the blood-bought saints, forgiven, redeemed, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We are the victorious bride of Christ. We are the chosen ones called out amongst, Father, to live a life worthy of the calling. Lord, you have redeemed us so well. It's beyond what we can think. And so we believe in faith that your word is true. We lean not on our own understanding, but we we acknowledge you. And so, Father, even somebody here who's who's now feeling guilty that they've been feeling guilty... (laughs) They've been feeling guilty that they've been feeling condemned. I release them of that in Jesus' name. I release them of that into the peace that passes understanding. Into the joy of the Lord to strengthen them. In Jesus' name, amen. He is better than we think, church. He's better than you think. Uh, Last week we started a series uh, called Charis, or Charis, if you're from Texas. The grace on and for every believer. Charis, cherish, is unmerited favor. Grace, kindness, life, goodwill. And I mentioned last week, if you didn't listen to last week, go back and do it, listen again, or re-listen to it. Grace defined is unmerited favor. If at any point you can deserve it, it's not grace. If any point... You can earn it back. Like some of us, we spend our lives trying to pay God back. Well, that's, then we're missing the point because I can't repay that debt. It's a chasm that's far too, far too big. Grace is unmerited. And Ephesians 2.8 has been our key text. It says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. It's a gift from God so that nobody can boast. Nobody can get to the end of their life and be like, ain't I great? I did so many good things. There's, like, I totally deserve to just walk right into those pearly gates. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we should look forward to it. But we, we, we live our lives constantly aware, wow, God's grace is good. And it, yeah, I mean, I, I follow him, I do the best I can, but it's by grace that I get to walk into that eternity. The, 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 I get to walk in the kingdom now, I get to walk in the kingdom then, it's good. 
It's good. We talked last week about the mega grace, the, the megas in the Greek, grace that was on the church, on every believer, and as a result, that's what caused revival. Charis, where we get charisma, which is the gifts of the Spirit. Some of us, that's a revelation. Charis, charisma, that's the gifts. Charismatic, somebody who's walking in the grace of God. Welcome to the charismatic movement. <laughs> that's the truth of the matter. We are going to get into the gifts of the Spirit in the light, but we're still laying this foundation because His grace is so much better than we understand. And we're not going to fully understand it. But the better foundation we get, the better believing we get, because it's, it's about believing, the, the more effective and gracefully you will even operate in the gifts on you. The mega grace that he is wanting to pour out and has poured out on you. But today I want to take another step further into a foundation for the next couple more weeks. Uh, foundation of Charis, um, because he's better than you know. And, and this... This was a pondering that, that somebody, I, I don't, won't mention names, but somebody after service last week asked me a question, and it was a brilliant question, and it, it, it reminded me of an aspect of grace that, that I hadn't thought about in years, and I think it's so important, so uh, without mentioning the person's name, thank you for, for that, I, I, I want to jump into this. Um, we are awaiting something as Christians, the return of Jesus Christ. Yes, that should get us all excited. Where he, he takes us to eternity with him. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Eternity in heaven. Our, or our last breath here on earth. Either way is the same. We enter in to the, to the gift, the grace. Um, this is what we're waiting for. So here's the question. that, uh, that uh, And I, I, I realized the depth. I actually wrestled through this in my own life. And I believe many of you will be like, oh yeah. I, I've wrestled with this too. Or maybe you're currently wrestling with us. The question is simply this. We're awaiting the return of Jesus. We believe in the rapture of the church where we are all called up yonder. When the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. Amen? The question is this. What if, what if I've not asked for forgiveness for a sin that I just committed? Or, to put it further, what if, what if the rapture happens right as I'm sinning? Big, you mean big, bad, small, little, the other thing, we can put whatever measure we want on it. The, the, the root of the question is this, how much sin will disqualify me at the end? What if, what if right as, as, as your mother says, <clears throat> who left these dirty dishes in the sink and didn't bother to put them in? Wasn't me. Or your wife says it in my instance. <laughs> it's the strangest thing. I don't know who would have done such a thing. Okay, we would call that a Little white lie. <laughs> but is that enough? So let's say, let's say I'm in that situation. Who left the milk out on the counter all day? Well, I don't know. And the rapture happens. Right as I say, I don't know. This is, I, I know this, this, this almost seems silly in some ways, but don't tell me you haven't wrestled with this. On some way, maybe it's a, maybe it's a bigger issue, a bigger, a bigger thing. Maybe it's a, a gossip or worse. Maybe it's the worst thing you could do. A terrible sin. What's the line, church, that, we, that, the, that the Lord's drawn? Now you can go up to this point. This point, if the rapture happens, you're out of luck. I think we need to find a restful answer with this. I, again, I had forgotten how deeply this had been a struggle in my life, especially in my young life, 
where I was so aware of the temptations of the flesh. Over, like, it was hype, I was hyper aware of sin. Hyper aware. There was sin everywhere. I mean, your thought, just, just all the time, it was, it was, it was terrible. Now, I was even, I even, now, I know that as I was taught, if you were watching the Smurfs, you wouldn't go to heaven. I'm kidding, I wasn't taught that. It was implied, however. There were certain shows like the Smurfs and He-Man that if you were watching during the rapture, Zeb's shaking his head, that's right, amen. Or, maybe some of you will identify with this one, if you so much as are touching a deck of cards when the Lord returns. Come on, anybody with me here? Or, if you are inside of a movie theater. I, I don't know if it was my parents or my grandparents. They, they honestly were taught and believed that even if they're, let's say you're watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and you're in the movie theater, there's some protective dome over Regal Cinemas that if you're in there and the rapture comes, the Lord can make it through. Now, now I, I say a lot of this lighthearted, but, but it really hits at a core issue, and it, it's, it's called bad belief. And, and the enemy has used it, and I'm sure if I asked you to raise your hand, has the enemy ever harassed you with sin? Like, I'm telling you, I was harassed so thoroughly. Like, I, I was scared that, it, that, I was so scared of the rapture. First of all, you should never be scared of the rapture. What a, what a, we could laugh at that. I'm scared that the Lord's coming back. What? Like, I was so scared, like I'd commit the unpardonable sin or something terrible. And, and I've told you this many times before, my, my mean, terrible, awful older brother <laughs> knew this about me. <laughs> and, and he would often host rapture drills on my behalf. And he would hide from me when we were the only ones home so that I thought for sure I was left behind. I'm surprised. I'm surprised, first of all, that he's a pastor. <laughs> Maybe he's got a lot of you know, makeup work to do to earn grace. I'm kidding. He could have had a whole trumpet section and blown the trumpet. That would have really... Like I said, but I was, I was harassed by the enemy because of, it, was, it wasn't about sin. It was about my belief about sin. Now, the, the truth is, like, I, I so loved Jesus and I didn't want to be left behind. And, and that's an innocent and a beautiful thing. And I, I, I know, I can stand up here confidently. I gave my life to Jesus at five years old. There was not a moment in the last however many years, 37 years, that I was missing out if the rapture happened. Not one moment. I can say that with full assurance. And I have walked through some pretty stupid things. I have made some pretty dumb decisions. I remember walking out of a nasty, nasty party. It should never have been there in a million years. It is no place for a believer, I guarantee you. And getting in my car, and the Holy Spirit was there. And I just wept, and the Lord said, I've, I never left you. And, and it was the, the revelation of his goodness and his grace that was beyond what I could believe. Like, it's not, even in that moment in that party, I would not have been left behind. Because why? Because it is by grace that we're saved. Through faith. This is nothing you can earn. My belief about who Jesus was had never changed. I loved him even in my dumbness. I believed with all my heart. I still do. He's the son of God. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way. I believe it. It is by grace you are saved through 
faith. Folks, we have to believe better. We have to believe better. Now, now we could get into theological debates about once saved, always saved, eternal security, and I've had lots of those fun conversations that get you nowhere. But the truth of the, ma- the, truth of the matter is, I know it's by faith that I'm saved. It is by faith that I'm saved. By faith that you're saved. And the enemy wants to keep us hyper-focused on sin and temptation because it causes a yoke of slavery upon us. That we're agreeing, we are agreeing with a lie that the temptation is stronger and the sin is bigger than the grace of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness and the, and the, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus. It's more powerful than you believe. I found rest in the fact that it's by grace I'm saved through faith. I found rest there. I don't, I don't wrestle through the hyper-attention hyper on my sin anymore. And that rest, that revelation, that leaning into faith and understanding grace has given me, I'm, I'm telling you it's done more to help me sin less than any amount of legalism, any amount of whipping myself, any amount of hyper-focused on not, not, not. Don't think of the Statue of Liberty. Don't think of it. Stop it. I see you thinking about the Statue You're all thinking about the Statue of Liberty. But when I focus on the goodness of my God, oh, Lord. Like, do you understand the attention issue? Like, we do want people's behavior to change. And the Lord does want to bring us from glory to glory and walk into a sanctification where we do indeed sin less. But it doesn't happen by focusing on don't sin, don't sin. It happens by, oh, the grace of God is so good. I get where I focus by focusing on it. I'm inviting you into a deeper rest, a, a more profound blessing rest and grace than you understand He's that good. I want to I touch on a few verses today that maybe will help us get a new and a better perspective on grace. I want to start here in uh, Hebrews 4, verse 15. This is a verse that I read incorrectly for quite a while because I felt, here's what I believed, and this was the wrong belief. I, I believed that Jesus felt sorry for us. And so had sympathy he looked down upon us and said, oh, I feel so bad for you. It says this in the NIV. I'm going to read it in the King James as well. But the NIV says this, for we do not have a high priest, this is talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Like I said, I used to read this as, we do not have a high priest that is unable to sympathize with us. And there's, there's an important distinction here. Sympathy is actually the cheapest form of feeling sorry. Sympathy is cheap. I, anybody can feel sympathy for somebody who fell in a well. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And we, it's easy to feel sympathy for somebody. That's not what Jesus did. Sympathy is feeling for somebody. Empathy is feeling with somebody. Sympathy is feeling sorry for that person in the well. Empathy is knowing I can get out of the well, so I crawl down into the well with them. And I feel with them. When somebody, when some, somebody uh, oh, I feel, I'm so sorry for you. 
that doesn't make you feel good at all. It makes you feel alienated. It makes you feel less than. But when somebody's like, oh, I'm with you. Do you understand the difference? Jesus didn't just feel sorry for us. He came down into the well and sat with us. Sympathy is cheap. Empathy is costly. In the Jewish culture, there is something called sitting Shiva with somebody. Sitting Shiva, Shiva is a Hebrew word for seven. Um, and and I, essentially what the concept is here, when somebody has lost somebody and they're going through a traumatic time, all, the, all you do to sit Shiva with somebody is go be with them. And the concept is you do it for seven days and you just sit with them. You're, not, you're just with them. Now Jesus went even beyond empathy. Sympathy, feeling sorry for. Sympathy, feeling for. Empathy, feeling with. Jesus took it to the ultimate level of, that's called compassion. Compassion is the level where you not only feel the pain with somebody, you do something to, to, to alleviate it. It's what we call compassion ministries. I don't just feel sorry for the victims of the earthquake. I don't just go sit there and be like, I'm sorry. I do something about it. This is what Jesus did. He felt he came down and became sin. He felt every temptation you possibly could. He empathized with every manner of our weakness. He, that's the depth of his grace. And he took it and he, in compassion, did something about it by killing it. He took the pain. He took the temptation all on himself. He felt every bit of it. And in compassion, he brought it to the cross, took it down to hell and left it there. So that by his grace, through faith, we're right with Jesus. Hebrews 4.15 in the King James says it this way, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but has, was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. The simple concept and the depth of grace I want us to get out of this is simply this. Jesus is not this, this random spiritual being like this. He felt everything you've ever felt. Everything. The, the, the depth of that temptation that you felt, the, the burning, he felt it all. So he knows. He knows. He knows. And so you, you can come to him. You can come to him. He became sin so that who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I, I bring up this sympathy, empathy, and compassion, touching upon it here. We're going to revisit it in, in light of the gifts of the Spirit and how we exercise the grace of God because we, 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 we'll get into that. So back to our question, where does God cut you off from salvation? I believe it's only when you don't believe in him anymore. That's, that's my personal conviction. It's about faith. It's about, it's about belief. When I was a wee little youth pastor, I wasn't that wee. I was, uh, anyway. I remember my, my first youth pastor position over in eastern Washington. Within the first month that I came on, uh, on, on, youth, uh, on the, as a youth pastor there, uh, a, a huge, it was a small town, 2,500 people. 
Um, three boys died in a silo accident in the town. Now, in a town of that, that size, I mean, that would be big here, too, but it was huge. And, and a lot of the students that were in my, they were just reeling. Because like, they, everyone in town knew these, these young guys. Um, they were high schoolers. And there was, there was one specific high schooler who was part of our church. And I, 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 uh, I was having a conversation with him. And he was, he was just beyond angry at God. And, uh, and, I, and I was so upset. I'm like, oh, no. Like, honestly, I'm like, oh, no. This guy's angry at God. He's a... He's, he's not saved anymore, whatever. And I, I went to my pastor, and we were, I remember riding in the truck, and I said, I said, I don't know what to do for this kid. Like, like they, they're, they're so mad at God for his friends dying. Like, you know, and, and my pastor, in his wisdom and in his grace, he said, oh, that's okay. He's like, when he stops talking to God, then there's a problem. And that revelation just blew me away. Because... <laughs> The concept is this, like, like, I'm mad at God. God, God, I, I want to, I, I, this is hurting so bad. I'm still talking to him. I'm still in faith. He'd never lost his salvation in that. Like, because he was still coming to God. And, and the concept is this, like, have you, you, anybody who's had teenagers, do you know how frustrating this is? Hey, what's wrong? I can tell there's something wrong. Nothing. How was your day? Fine. I can tell you're hurting. I can tell something's wrong. Uh-uh, I'm good. I don't want to talk about it, right? The idea is this. Like, we treat God as if he, ha- he doesn't have any care for us. We, we believe, well, like, like, he doesn't want us to be honest with him. Like, I'd rather my, my kids say, I'm so angry, I just I want to spit. Like, that's what I would, I, it's hurting me so bad. That would mean more to me as a dad than them saying, I'm fine, I'll toughen up, I'll be good. This is what we're talking about. It's like yelling at God, go ahead, and it, like, Read the book of Psalms. David was like, God, how long are you going to forget me? How long will you slay me? He always ended his Psalms that even so I'll trust in you. Like, this is, this is the constant. His grace is sufficient. It's big. It's better. Like, and, and even, even in like, the question is, have you stopped believing? No, I haven't. I, lo- I, I still know he's a son. I still believe it. Like, okay, you're good. Keep talking to him. Talk to him. He loves you. Like, He's, a, he's better than any, any parent you could possibly imagine. Talk to him. Talk to him. Okay, I want to talk. I want to go into another verse here. This is one um, that Pastor Zeb and I chatted about a bit this week. Um, Philippians 2, verse 12. Um, it, at first glance, it may seem to go against this idea of it's by grace your faith. There's nothing, you, you can't work your way into salvation. So Philippians 2, 12. We're going we're gonna, to uh, go into this in a little bit. It says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't go on to the next slide yet, Tony. Continue to work out your salvation. It's like, what? Work out my salvation? Like, I thought it was by grace I'm saved. Now, so I got I to gotta keep working at how saved I am. I got to get more saved. Oh no, I'm not working very hard at all. <laughs> I don't believe for a second that this is the heart of what, what the verse is talking about. In fact, like we, this is why it's important to be a, a student of the scripture and not just cherry pick a verse here and there, right? Because you can throw one verse out there, but if you notice, this verse doesn't even end with a period, there's a comma, this, the, the uh, idea isn't complete. 
In fact, when we talk about Philippians 2.12, we added the title. There was no verse numbers in the original book of Philippians. Like We, we added those things, and they're good because they helped me point it out to you, helped me flip open, okay, two, verse chapter 2, verse 12. Th- these were all complete thoughts, and we kind of chopped them up so we could, we could find them easier. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're studying the scripture, keep reading, and we call it in context because there's more to the story. Okay, so Philippians 2.12 does indeed say, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, comma, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. That's an important, important element to add to that verse, don't you think? Like, continue to work out your salvation because God is working, it, working in you. He's doing the work. He's giving it to you so that you will want to. You understand? He's saying, God is working in you so that you'll want to do the good things that you, you should do. So when he's talking about this word, to work out our salvation, uh, Amy, you're going to love this next one, all right? But you might be appalled at my mathematical abilities, all right? So I'm going to throw up an equation on, on the board, all right? This is a mathematic. Don't glaze your eyes over those of you who do not like math. In fact, speaking of math, I, uh, I've come to realize that the environmentalists and uh, the, the new math, they need to get together. Because they've taken easy equations and now I have to do a whole piece of paper to get to the bottom of it. And, uh, and I feel like I'm wasting paper. When I had to help my little Emma with her third grade math, like I'm telling, I'm just kidding, it's a joke. There's truth. I could do this problem so much faster than you woke mathers. All right. This is a joke. All right. So here's the deal. If I were to throw this equation, if I'm your math teacher, and I'm like, you're going sol- to solve for X, but show your work. Right? Show your work, which means don't just write down X equals, in this case, 5, because it's obvious new math. I'm kidding. And in, in high school, I did this all the time. I'm like, I know this answer. It's easy. I, I looked it up on Google. No. I didn't have Google. I'm better than the rest of you millennials. It's not true. But I would always get in trouble by my math teacher. And they'd be like, you didn't show your work. I'm like, did I get it right? Yes. But I didn't show my work. All right. So, but this is the idea. What, what the math teacher will tell you is, now, would you work out this problem? Work out this problem. You okay? Is it too small? Well, so to to work out this problem specifically, you're going to subtract two from each side of the equation, and you're going to show that work. Then you're going to simplify the equation. Then you're going to divide both sides by three. This is all steps you got to do to show your work, because you're working out the problem. And then you're going to simplify it again, and at the end of the day, x equals five. Because three times five plus two equals 17. There you go. So what I've done is I've shown my work. I've worked out the problem. Now, here's the important distinction and what this has to do with working out your salvation. The fact that x equaled 5 was already established. Your work didn't change the truth of the equation. Here's what, when we say to work out this problem, what you're doing is you're applying the truths to the areas of the equation so that it proves the final answer. So when I tell you, and when Paul tells us, and the scripture tells us, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
He's saying simply do this. Now, you're already saved. X already equals five. You've been given all sorts of areas of your life, issues and problems in your life. And he's saying, you, X equals five. Work it through in every area of your life. And as I do, I'm, I'm applying it, I'm studying it, and I'm proving it, and I'm showing it. And when I get to X equal five, I'm like, yes, X equal five. I showed all the reasons. And what I'm doing is I'm building myself up so that those areas in my life that I constantly struggle with, or I constantly am mentally struggling with, emotionally struggling with, I'm proving o'er and o'er that his grace is sufficient. And, I, and so I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to his grace. I'm paying attention to his salvation. I'm focusing on the, his truths. I'm meditating in his word, and I'm working it out in my life. I'm already saved, but it's going to transform my life in a way that, oh, will blow you away. It's so good. Meditate. I, I firmly believe that meditating on his grace and his salvation, how undeserved it is in every area of your life, will bring you further and further into holiness and sanctification than meditating on how worthless you are and how big the problem is and how terrible things seem to be and how hard it was to say no. But as I work it through the salvation, work it through, work it through, work it through, it helps us see the depth of his grace. We tend to act and believe and talk like the people we hang out with, right? Abraham Lincoln famously said this, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening an ax. Give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first four sharpening an ax. Now, I want to take this and apply it to grace. I want to apply it. Give me six hours to sin less. I will spend the first four meditating with the Lord and sharpening my axe and meditating on how good he is and his grace and how sufficient it is for me. It, folks, it's so much better than, I, than you understand. As you spend time with the Lord, you will begin to look like him and speak like him and believe like him. It doesn't make me more saved than I already was but it sure makes me more fun to be around. <laughs> sure makes me more grace-filled towards other people, even towards myself. Look, honestly, you need to cut yourself some slack and give yourself some grace in the Lord. You'll find yourself much easier to deal with. I'm not saying to sin more, but I'm saying to spend more time just focusing on his grace and his wonderful salvation and his beauty and, and oh, he's so much better. And you will find the axe is much sharper when it comes temptation time again. I have a few minutes left. I have a, a bunch of scripture I'm trying to decide here. I, I, I guess I'll reiterate this way. I'll try to simplify um, the problem without showing my work. <laughs> that was a joke. There's not a soul in scripture except for Jesus that wasn't a dirty dog sinner. It's true. You, we think of the, the saints, so they're all standing in their robes in front of the church. Well, they were sinners. Like Paul, sinner. Peter, sinner. And the, and the Bible doesn't go into the depth, of, but it does show how they fell short. 
and by his grace you're saved. Paul even said this, and, and I, it's just so dizzying and wonderful. He says this in Romans 7. He says, for what I'm doing, I don't understand. <laughs> for that, what I will to do, that I don't practice. But what I hate, I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree that the law, uh, with the law, that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin who, he goes on and on. And he's like, the good I want to do, I don't do. And the evil I hate, I keep on doing. Who's going to save me? And this is Paul talking. Saved Paul. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul. And he's like, I, 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 the good I want to do, I don't do. I keep falling and I keep getting tempted. I, the, the stuff I hate, I keep doing. Who's going to save me? And he says, praise be to the Lord. And he goes on then in, in chapter 8. He says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you have time, read Romans 7. Like, I'm not going to read it all today because I'm, I'm out of time here. But understand this. Like, and I'm not saying Paul was out doing terrible things, but I'm saying he struggled with temptation. And yes, he succumbed to sin once in a while. Less and less, hopefully. I mean, that's the goal. But it's by grace we're saved. The more you understand that Jesus' blood paid it all. And I find that rest and I spend time with him it, 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 in fact, he ends with this. He talks as another letter he wrote to the Corinthians. He's specifically, in this case, talking about a thorn in his flesh. And theologians love to debate what that thorn was, whether it was his eyesight or a sin issue or temptation. I tend to believe it was probably more of a temptation issue than anything else. Uh, but, but I can't prove that, and I won't preach it as truth, right? But, uh, but he did say this. He's like, three times, he's talking about this thorn in his flesh, Three times I begged that the Lord take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Whatever you're going through today, whatever temptation, whatever struggle meant, like, his grace is enough for you. It's so much bigger and better. Stephanie, I'm going to have you come up, please. Here's how I want to conclude today. With this thought, with the reassurance that his grace is enough for you, his, his grace is all you need, and it will solve. And, and, and so what we want to do here in the last just a couple of minutes, Stephanie plays. Whatever it is that is coming to mind when we talk about this, I, I won't even get that specific. But I'd like you, call that X. And as we spend this moment in the presence of the Lord, work out your salvation into that issue. Work it through. Show your work. Knowing the truth of the matter is, his grace is sufficient. X equals 55. 100%. There's nothing you can do about that. So his grace is sufficient. I know what X is. Let me work that through into every area of my life that I'm having struggles with. And the Holy Spirit's going to help you with this right now. So if you bow your heads, just let this be a holy moment with you and the Lord. And work out salvation and solve for X as Stephanie sings, and then we'll come up and we'll conclude.
you can go to Costco and load up on water, right? You're hungry, you can go to the food court and load up on food. But there's one thing we cannot buy in this grace. And it's by the grace of God that we're, we're able to come here and worship Him. This message was awesome because it reminded me like not long ago I was talking with one of my kids and through our conversation was um, a few questions through me growing up and and I, it got me thinking even through the whole message like wow his grace is enough and it's because of his grace that I'm, I'm able to stand here with in front of you guys and have a family a beautiful family and that's just because of the grace of God and it's something that we gotta we gotta grab a hold of it and, 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 and believe it and walk on it and just say you know when you feel like oh I deserve it no you don't <laughs> but yet we have it with us Close your eyes. I'm going to pray. I'm going to bless you. Number 6, 24 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on, on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, the Lord turns his face towards you and give you peace. Father, I pray for everyone in this place, Lord, and everyone watching us online. Father God, as we step out of this building, God, help us. Help us see uh, see what the things that we are not able to see in our human with our human eyes, Father God. You know, let's keep your eyes closed. In, in, in Numbers, 
speaks of uh, um, Moses and uh, a group of spies to go and and go through this land and, and, and bring a report. And a lot of them came back and they were like, wow, we, we, we can't do it. it. It's just impossible. But two of them were like, oh yeah, we can take it. As you walk out of this place, you have two choices. You can see what's going on in the world and, and fall in the lie of the, of the enemy that, oh, poor me. Or you can just say, God is walking with me. And I'm going to keep walking. No matter how foggy it looks in front of me, I'm going to keep walking because God is in front of me. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for your people. And we thank you for what the amazing things you're going to do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Hopefully we'll get some sunshine. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.